this prayer service for crops and labor. Our text is taken from John 6, verse 27a. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning has been set aside as a prayer service for crops and labor. It is an annual tradition among us. Not only do we celebrate Thanksgiving in the fall, we also come before the Lord to seek his blessing on crops and labor each spring. At times, doing traditional things may leave us unmoved. We can get so used to various traditions that we don't stop to consider why we practice them. The reason why we set aside a Sunday each spring for a prayer service for crops and labor is that we're ever dependent on God's blessings in our lives. It's good to acknowledge that before the growing season starts, before the busyness of summer work. For many of us, this year's prayer service is more meaningful than most. COVID-19 has had a devastating effect on our economy. Many businesses have had to shut down or have experienced a slowdown in work. Many employees have, had their, have either been laid off or had their hours reduced. Many are uncertain about what the coming months will bring. For some among us, it is or soon will be a struggle to pay the bills. Economic pressure is difficult to handle. It causes stress and anxiety. It can create strain in our marriage relationships. At times it may interfere with our sleep. It can also affect our relationship with the Lord. Going through hard times can make us doubt God's goodness or faithfulness. Now, beloved, our sovereign God is confronting us with the economic fallout from COVID-19. It is part of God's plan for our lives. While it's true that hardships are never fun, God routinely uses them for our spiritual growth. So we need to ask ourselves the question, what is God teaching us through the slowdown in our economy? What is he teaching me through this time when my business is slow or my income is less? In the past years, have I had the right focus in my life? Have I been living a well-balanced life? Generally speaking, we are known to be a hard-working community that's an honorable thing. The Bible teaches us to do our work not as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Yet if we examine our motivations, why is it that we often work hard? Is it truly to honor God? Or is it to try to get ahead in life? How important is money to us? Does our financial security have more priority 
than our family relationships? How much time do we invest in personal and family devotions or in communal Bible study? You think it might be possible that God has sent COVID-19 to slow us down, to make us examine our priorities in life? This morning, more than any time in the past 10 years, our prayer service for crops and labor has meaning for us. The economic disruption to our economy teaches us how dependent we are on God for our daily bread. It makes us thankful for employment and work. We will pray for the Lord's blessings over us, for him to provide all our bodily needs. But let's do that from the perspective that Jesus teaches in our text in John 6. He tells us not to work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He teaches us kingdom priorities in the midst of our struggle to provide for our families. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. What needs to happen in your life, beloved, for you to feel blessed by God? How do you count your blessings? Are your biggest blessings material or spiritual? In the Old Covenant, God provided his people Israel with their own land to live in. If you read about the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience, they could be measured materially. Blessings on obedience included receiving children, abundant crops, expanding flocks and herds, and victory over Israel's enemies. Curses on disobedience included being unfruitful, experiencing frustration in all they did, suffering illness and drought, defeat at the hand of their enemies, and ultimately going into exile. On the basis of many of the promises God made to Israel in the Old Covenant, many churches today preach a health and wealth gospel. They say that if you truly have faith in God, you can claim his blessings, and you will experience profound material benefits. You'll never have to go through hard times financially, and if you happen to get sick, God will heal you. Yet that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel focuses on all our spiritual blessings in Christ. In Christ, we are righteous before God. We've been adopted as God's children. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We're being renewed in Christ's image. We have great and glorious promises about the resurrection and the life everlasting. Now, we need to understand, beloved, that this does not mean that God is uncaring about our bodily needs. God is good. He loves to give good gifts to his children. God is faithful. He has promised to provide 
for all our daily needs. Yet God has not promised abundant riches to all who put their faith in Christ. He tells the church that we will always have the poor among us. God has not said that life will be free from all illness and disease. We live in a fallen world. These are part of the consequences of man's fall into sin. When you look at the Apostle Paul's prayers in his various letters, it's striking that he rarely prays for God's material blessings on his people. Instead, the focus of his prayers is that God will continue to work in us by his word and spirit, that we may grow and increase in our faith and in the fruits of faith. Paul himself experienced many hardships and trials for the sake of the gospel. He writes, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and needs. Paul learned to be content, whatever his outward circumstances were. Are you content, beloved? Are you satisfied with your lot in life? Contentment is not part of our fallen human nature. God created us with many different desires in our hearts. Many of those desires are focused on the here and now. When you're hungry, you want food. When you're thirsty, you want to drink. When you've been cooped up inside, you want to get out. Wives want their husbands to really love them. Husbands want their wives to truly respect them. Kids want to belong, to matter, to family members and friends. We've been created as material beings, living in a material world. For kids, we want new toys, or maybe a new kitten or puppy. As young people, we want to buy our own car and own our own house. And once we've done that, we want to improve on what we have, getting something bigger and better. We want to be able to go south for a week or two in the middle of winter. We want recreational toys like boats and motorhomes. When we look around and see what others have, it's easy to feel like God's blessings are going to others, and I'm not getting my share. In our possession-oriented world, it's hard to be content. The Lord Jesus recognized that lack of contentment in the crowds that followed him. John 6 tells of how a large crowd came to Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They followed Jesus because of the miraculous signs that he performed in healing the sick. Since they were far from any nearby towns, Jesus fed them. He turned a boy's lunch of five buns and two fish into food for a crowd of 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Caused the people to confess, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. John writes that because Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew from them. Yet the people are not ready to let go of Jesus. They saw how Jesus sent his disciples away in a boat across the sea 
and how he did not go with them. We know from Matthew's gospel that Jesus withdrew and went up on a mountain to pray. That night, Jesus walked on the sea and joined the disciples in their boat. The next day, the crowds found Jesus in Capernaum. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They knew Jesus had not left with his disciples and that there were no other boats available. They wondered how he had got to Capernaum. Jesus did not answer their question. Instead, he addressed the crowds about why they were following him. Their motives were not pure. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do you know what Jesus is addressing here? The hearts of the people were focused on carnal things. On the fact that Jesus could heal them of their diseases. On how Jesus was able to provide an abundance of food from a boy's lunch. On their desires for a Messiah who could deliver them from the power of Rome and restore Israel to being a powerhouse in the world again. The people had no spiritual sensitivity They could not see that the signs Jesus did pointed to a far greater spiritual reality. They had no concept of the fact that Jesus had come into this world to establish God's kingdom on earth. The feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children pointed beyond itself to the spiritual nourishment the people needed. Their basic problem was not that they lacked food. It was that they were sinful people who needed a savior to deliver them from their sins and to free them from the mastery of Satan. By nature, their hearts were corrupt. They needed the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Yet the people were blind to all of that. To use the Apostle Paul's language, they set their minds on the things of the flesh and not on the things of the Spirit. There's a warning for us in this. In the midst of the economic disruption caused by COVID-19, it's easy for us to get anxious and frustrated. Many companies are dealing with a sharp decrease in work. Many employees have been laid off or had their hours reduced. We get frustrated about all the restrictions feeling that especially in a place like Manitoba, the response to the virus is overdone. We worry about how long it'll take before the economy begins to pick up again. Jesus addresses all our earthly concerns in our text. He said, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. We need to understand that when Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, he's not making an absolute statement. He's talking about our perspectives and about our priorities. Our text is not saying that we don't need to work for our daily bread. For it's through our daily work that God commonly provides for our bodily needs. The Bible makes clear our calling to be faithful in the task God gives us to do. 
After creating man, God gave him a cultural mandate to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over it. After the fall into sin, God said to Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. The fourth commandment states, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. This commandment not only sets aside a day of rest, it also mandates work. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul makes a number of strong statements about the link between working and eating. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10, he gave this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. There were believers in Thessalonica who were idle, not busy at work, being busybodies and meddling in other people's affairs. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul encouraged them to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. In Ephesians 4.28, Paul writes, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This text also shows our calling to work, to support our families, and to give to those in need. Now, beloved, we recognize that there are different stages in life and that we may be confronted with varying circumstances. The task of a young person is to be busy with their schoolwork and so develop their gifts and their talents. Education is important. It provides perspectives and skills to prepare you for future employment. Similarly, we have members who have worked hard for much of their lives and who are now retired. Retirement gives opportunities to focus your gifts and talents on other things. Yet we all have a calling to labor faithfully in the tasks God gives us to do, whether that be at work or caring for our families or volunteering in the church or wider community. That's when Jesus said, do not labor for the food that perishes, He did not intend for us to stop working for our livelihood. Yet he teaches us that in doing our work, we need to have our eyes set on something other than food that perishes. What did Jesus mean by this? It should be clear that when Jesus speaks about food that perishes, he's speaking more about more than just food. Here Jesus is referring to all our bodily needs to all the material things we need to enjoy and live life on this earth. He's talking about our food and drink, shelter and clothing. He's talking about our toys, about our cars and houses, our holidays and our recreational pursuits. What Jesus is teaching here is that our primary focus in life should not be on our work, on earning money, or on getting ahead in life. That's a hard thing for us to digest. It's in our nature to become one-eyed in life. We get up in the morning with the intention of going to work. Work occupies the bigger part of our day. 
It gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Just ask any guy, who are you? And chances are he'll identify himself by his work. He'll say, I'm a plumber, a businessman, a teacher, a computer programmer. Many of us get satisfaction from our work and from the fact that it's the means by which we provide for our families. Yeah, beloved, there's more to life than work. In our text, Jesus says, Do not labor for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In our text, Jesus is making a comparative statement. He does not mean for us to stop working for our livelihood, but that in our work we are to set our eyes on something other than the food that perishes. Jesus is teaching us to direct our eyes heavenward, to seek our life and our well-being in him. He's teaching us to live not just with a focus on material things, but also on the really important matters of life. Our reading from Matthew 6 makes clear what Jesus is communicating in our text. Jesus taught us not to be anxious about bodily needs like food and drink and clothing. Jesus pointed to the marvelous way in which God provides food for the birds of the air and the beauty with which he clothes the flowers of the field. Jesus plainly tells us we are much more valuable to our Heavenly Father than birds or flowers. We are God's children. Through Christ's blood, our Father has adopted us. He's made us part of his family. So why don't we need to get stressed or anxious or worried about the effects of COVID-19? Jesus tells us about how the Gentiles seek after their bodily needs. But he says to us that our Heavenly Father knows that we need them all. Jesus commands, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, don't set your heart on the food that perishes. God will supply that. You seek the kingdom. You seek the bread that endures to everlasting life. In other words, beloved, don't expand all the effort of your mind and body and will to satisfy yourself with things. The treasure of this world will never last. You can build your earthly empires. You can work hard and be successful in life by worldly standards. You can enjoy the perks and the pleasures that come with worldly wealth. But remember Jesus' words in Luke 9, 25. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? So where is Jesus directing us in our text? He tells us to labor for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In John 6, Jesus not only fed a large crowd of perhaps 20,000 people with bread from a boy's lunch, he also told the crowds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus encouraged them 
And he also encourages us today to find meaning and satisfaction in life in him. In Jesus' words, we see an invitation to partake in the abundant life that only he can give. Jesus' words remind us of what Isaiah wrote in the first verses of Isaiah 55. He said, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Beloved, in John 6, we see Jesus issuing the call of the gospel. Come to me. Believe in me. Jesus identifies himself as the living bread which came down from heaven. Calls us to feed on him. What Jesus is teaching us is that he alone is the source of our life and our well-being. All the riches and the pleasures of this world can never ultimately fill the longing of our souls. It's only in Jesus Christ that we'll ever find comfort, peace, joy, and hope. Beloved, COVID-19 has in many ways slowed down our lives. Some of us are working less hours than we normally did. We've been restricted from doing many of the things that occupy a lot of our evenings and a lot of our spare time. Most sports leagues are shut down or at least are on hold. Our opportunities for fellowship have also been restricted. More than ever before, we have time for family devotions. We have time to think about what life is really all about. Time to consider our priorities in life. Are you truly worried about your material needs? Please remember, God is good. Psalm 145 says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. James writes that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Our Heavenly Father delights in giving good gifts to his children. Do you know how we can be sure of this? In Romans 8, Paul asks, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If our good and our gracious God was willing to sacrifice his own dearly loved son in order to redeem us, then will he not also provide all our bodily needs? We don't need to be worried or stressed or anxious due to the fallout of COVID-19. God will take care of us. 
Instead of stressing about the material things of life, Jesus calls us to labor for the food that endures to eternal life. He tells us that he is the living bread that came down from heaven. He calls us to feed on him. Jesus is the only one who can truly fill our deepest longings and desires. It's by being in a living relationship with Christ that we find meaning and purpose in our lives. May God grant us his grace and spirit that we learn more and more to find our life in Christ. May we find rest and peace for our souls in Christ alone. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from hymn 14, stanzas 1, 3, 9, and 10.